Welcome and thank you for connecting with us at Parkwood Baptist Church. Here at Parkwood, we exist to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. You can find more information about our church at parkwoodonline.org. By visiting our website, you will be able to learn more about Parkwood and our mission. Now join us as we grow together through the teaching of God's Word. Good morning. It's good to be with you and good to share the Word of the Lord with you today. We're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 22. Uh, If you don't have a copy of the Scripture, we have placed those back underneath uh, the chairs. Maybe better to go toward the one in front of you, or it's a little bit hard to reach sometimes straight underneath you. Uh, Page 857 is where we are on those Bibles you'll find in the chairs. Luke chapter 2, 22 to 40, a passage of great joy. So I invite you to stand with me as I read the word of the Lord. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to all your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own heart also. So that thoughts from whom many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask now that you would be with us, your people. That you would take your word and open it to our hearts and to our minds to see and to hear. And Lord, I pray for every person who's come into this room, regardless of how they feel today or what's been on their minds or even weighing them down, would you cause all of us to see what Simeon and Anna saw? The joy of salvation. The joy of the Lord. May it fill us now in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. 
We've all seen videos of children in a school or maybe at a sports stadium who are about to receive a surprise that they don't really know what it is. And then from behind them comes a parent dressed in fatigues, a parent who served in the military somewhere overseas and been months or even years since they saw their children and see the child turn and the joy that overtakes them. You can't help but share the joy of that child. The joy that overwhelms them at the moment of being brought together. The wait is finally over. Well, that's what's happened in this text. You have two individuals who've been waiting. They're waiting for the coming of Christ, anticipating it. And they both experience joy in the temple. There are a lot of things that can be said in this text. But here's the main idea of what we want to focus on today, that the coming of Jesus Christ fulfills God's promise to bring salvation to all peoples, Jews and Gentiles. Now let's connect back to where we left off last week in verse 21. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we see obedience of the parents to the word of God, to the law of God and circumcision, and to the word given through the angel by God to name him Jesus, which means Savior or salvation has come. And when the time came, now in verse 22, for their purification according to the law of Moses. So a woman who gives birth to a child after 40 days was to go through this rite of purification. In other words, she had become unclean. Now here's what's very interesting when you read the text. Luke says they went for their purification. So in this, Joseph is associated with this need of purification. It says they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So there's another thing that does go on. It is, is to present the firstborn male. Verse 23, as is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So there's two things that they're doing in response to the law of God at this moment as they go up to Jerusalem. Verse 24 is referring back to this purification act. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or young Pigeons, two young pigeons. Now, you see the obedience, the, the piety of, of Jesus' parents at this moment. They are obeying the law of God in this purification rite and the presentation of the firstborn male. And if you're not really paying attention or not aware of what the Bible says, you miss something Luke's telling you. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I'm not going to turn over there, but if you read through Leviticus chapter 12 very carefully, you see that for this rite of purification, the first thing that God calls for is for the woman or the family to present a lamb. However, if they cannot afford it, if they are too poor, then they can bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what's the Bible acknowledging here? The poverty of Jesus' parents. Again, we see the humility of Christ's life, that he is born to a woman, and not just a woman, he's born to a poor woman. In Galatians 4.4, 4, 
we were reminded that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So before we move completely away from the birth narrative, Luke is reminding us of this truth again that Paul states clearly in Galatians, that he is born of a woman and he is born under the law. This is the way it had to be, fully God. God sent forth his son. He's fully God and fully man, born of a woman, born under the law, the law which he kept perfectly so that he might redeem his people. Now, the rest of this text is going to focus on two people waiting for the consolation of Israel and the redemption of Israel. There's a word associated with both of them that they are waiting, or it could be translated expectantly waiting. This word occurs several times in the Bible, but half of its occurrences happen in Luke and in Acts. Luke brings this idea of expectantly waiting, this, this steadfast faith of God's people waiting for what God has promised. Then you have these two common people. There's no high priest, no member of the Sanhedrin. There's no temple official. There's no priest or Levite as you come here to the temple. Rather, you have two otherwise unknown persons, Simeon and Anna. They never appear again in the Bible. This is it. This is the only occurrence that we have of their lives, but both of them embody a sincere faith. And don't miss this. It's a man and a woman who experience joy and peace. First, we focus on Simeon. And we see that upon seeing the Lord's Christ, Simeon proclaims salvation for all peoples. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. That's it. Just a man. His name's Simeon. Here's what's distinct about him. He was a righteous and devout man. That means he did what is right in the sight of God and he sought after the Lord. He, he, he was devout in his faith. He was waiting, expectantly waiting, for the consolation of Israel. Now, consolation is not a word we use very often in the English language anymore. It means comfort or quite literally the source of comfort. So he's waiting for the source of comfort, the one who is going to comfort Israel. Now, brothers and sisters, just, just, just pause here for a second. Things are really hard in Israel right now. At the moment, Simeon steps forth. It is a very difficult period. But Simeon's not looking for political relief. He's looking for salvation. He's looking for the salvation of the Lord. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit was upon him. We're at the end of chapter 2. This is the sixth person that Luke has identified who is filled with the Holy Spirit or that the Holy Spirit is upon them. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now notice that Reasons associated with Simeon's work or person are not assigned to why Simeon sees. The reason Simeon sees what is happening here is it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that 
Before he dies, he would actually see the Lord's Christ, the promised Messiah. And the morning in which he wakes up, he is compelled by the Spirit to go into the temple. And the moment he sees the parents with, who brought in the child Jesus to do, and Luke repeats this, according to the law, it says he took him up in his arms and blessed God. The first thing you see in Simeon's reaction are not words. He touches. He, he's overwhelmed. So let me, you know, you know that uh, commercial about, you know, not becoming your parents? I'm helping all of us who are getting older. Young parents don't want you to touch their kids, okay? Particularly now in COVID, but this is kind of a new thing. Society's shifted. So old, those of us older, you need permission, Okay. So if these were modern parents, Mary and Joseph would freak because he doesn't say anything. He just grabs the child and he starts singing. This is a song. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And here's what's interesting. Remember Mary sings a song. Zachariah sings a song. They speak of the Lord in the third person. You can go back and read how they address the Lord differently. Simeon speaks directly to the Lord. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He is so overjoyed. He is so satisfied in this moment of seeing the Lord's Christ. He's ready to die. He's ready to depart in peace. And he says that this is what the Lord has done according to his word, just as God had promised. The salvation that is in Christ should not catch people by surprise. It's expected. It's promised of God. It's what his word says. Verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, Simeon, is not the only one to witness Christ. Thousands of people are going to witness Christ. He's going to, he is prepared in the presence of people. But here's what you're going to see as you move through the Gospels. Not everybody sees him. Not everyone sees him through the eyes of faith. But Simeon does. He sees salvation. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, this has been alluded to by Luke. Now he becomes completely forthright that this salvation is not just for Israel. This is for all peoples, for Jews and Gentiles. Israel's not the end. This is how most people saw it. They saw it politically. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to save the nation of Israel. And he's going to get rid of these political oppressors who have come in to take them over. And he sees that what God is doing is bigger than Israel, though the glory of God is revealed to the people of Israel. It is a light of revelation to the Gentiles through Israel, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile is how Paul describes it. In Isaiah 52, he says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God, that God is going to make this known to all the earth. Now you see in this, there are two separate things that it appears God's doing. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. 
I should have had this in your notes. Turn with me to Isaiah 60. What I want you to see is that it appears two separate things, but these things are intertwined. The prophet Isaiah, whom Luke is uh, alluding to or directly quoting all the time as you read. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, the prophet says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. You notice how Isaiah moves back and forth from using the word glory and light. That the reason we know that light has come is that the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And that's what we see in Christ. We behold behold his glory, full of grace and truth. Now, before we move to look at Anna, I want you to make sure you don't miss what happens in verses 33 to 35. If you're reading Luke's gospel carefully, this is the first time we have an ominous tone. You can hear a deep note on an organ here. Boom. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about them. So this is kind of how I see it. Simeon's singing and Mary and Joseph are going, what? And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. Let me read the end of the sentence so you get that. For a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here's why people are going to push back to Jesus. He's going to reveal who they are. That's why the Pharisees hate him. He reveals who they are. And then there's this parenthetical thought he throws in for Mary and a sword will pierce through your own soul. You say, why didn't he say it to Joseph? Well, I think the answer is, there's no evidence Joseph is still alive at the death of Jesus. But you have Mary there at the foot of the cross. And Simeon says, this is, it's gonna be painful, Mary. He's gonna divide people. Rise and fall. Again, we go back to Isaiah chapter 8 and chapter 28, where Isaiah reveals what Peter and Paul both pick up and write about in their epistles, that Jesus is the rock of offense. He's the rock that we fall upon. It dashes us, but he's also the chief what? Cornerstone. He is for the rise the building of his people, and the fall of others. It's this offense to Jesus that leads to his death. And Jesus openly acknowledges it in Luke chapter 9, which is going to be a turning point in the gospel. He says, let these words sink into your ears. This is Jesus speaking. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Why? 
Because this salvation, which Simeon has sung about, has to be purchased at a heavy cost. Yet, there is joy. It's the predominant mood of this text. There is great joy and there is great gratitude in this salvation that the Lord's Christ will bring. So as we turn to Anna, we see that upon seeing the redemption of Israel, Anna gives thanks and makes his coming known. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanil, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. So we see Anna is, first of all, a daughter. That means she's a woman. Now, women are necessary to the narrative that Luke writes. He makes it absolutely overt that this gospel is not simply for men. It is for male and for female. Now, I'm not trying to be modern when I say that. And we don't want to read the Bible through modern eyes, but the Bible corrects things when we get them wrong. And we see here that the gospel is for everyone. And as a prophetess, I mean, she's a vessel for God's revelation. This is only one of two times that the word prophetess is used in the New Testament. And the other time is in Revelation. The other thing we see is that Anna is a widow. Now, what's a little confusing in the Greek is exactly how long she's been a widow or how old she is. The SV makes the decision with a note, if you'll notice, to say that she was 84. But, but it also could mean that she's lived 84 years since the death of her husband. So she could be 105, approximately. She's a very old woman. And what has she done? She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting with fasting and prayer night and day. That doesn't mean she lived at the temple. There's no evidence that, that anyone was allowed to do that. It just meant continually you found this woman fasting and praying at the temple. She is totally and completely focused on serving the Lord. And coming up at that very hour, so here's where we're at. We're not in the innermost part of, of the temple, in the court of women. Because here Mary was there and Anna. So what transpired with Simeon, what he's saying at this very hour, Anna clues in on this. And it's not completely overt, there's overlap, but at this very hour, she began to give thanks. Maybe she hears Simeon sing, I don't know. But she begins to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. So what does that mean? There are more people there that day waiting for this moment than Simeon and Anna. Some of you ask, how were people saved in the Old Testament? They looked to the coming Christ. They believed God would keep his promise and redeem. And these people gathered there looking for the coming Christ. Anna declares he's here. The ones who are waiting for the redemption of Israel, the deliverance of Israel. Jerusalem, people who are longing and looking for the coming of the Messiah. In Psalm 130, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. It's a good word for us today. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Oh, Israel. 
hope in the Lord. Can I just take a sidebar for a second? Here's how this would be written today. More than CNN in the morning. More than Fox News in the morning. In other words, you don't wake up and turn on your TV. Is everything okay? Is it all okay? You're not waiting for the watchman to tell you everything's okay. God's told you everything's okay. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You see, those who are waiting are not waiting for political deliverance. They're waiting for deliverance from their sin, to be forgiven of their sin. They are watching and waiting for the coming of the Messiah who is named Jesus, the one who will save them from their sin. Now, in between Simeon and Anna, we have this ominous future that, that Simeon explains. But after Anna, hopeful. It's a little hopeful description of many years of Jesus' life. Here's what it says. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So one thing you clearly see here is Jesus lived a happy childhood. A normal, happy life growing. Growing up, we'll see more of this next week as we conclude the rest of of chapter 2. But before I move off these verses, I want you to see something. Watch what Luke does. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, I'd underline that, they returned into Galilee with their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong and filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. What's Luke telling you? The old covenant and the new covenant are coming together. The Christ is going to keep the law perfectly. And the grace of God is upon him, which is going to be spread to all peoples. So with that in mind, I ask you this question today. Am I joyfully making known the salvation that has come for all peoples, including me? Here's what I'm really saying in this question. Until you realize that this salvation has come for you, when you really realize it, when your eyes are open, you're not just around it. There were a lot of people in the temple court that day, I'm sure. But some of them saw it. When you see it, something transforms. And and you become like Simeon and Anna and the shepherds. By the way, these are all common people. Not priests. They're the first ones to declare They're the first ones to make it known. So so Luke here is letting us know that that the coming of Christ is necessary and he has come and he has come for all people. So I go back to Galatians. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Salvation through Christ alone changes everything. So like Simeon, those who are in Christ are now ready to depart in peace. Fear no longer holds us. 
The circumstances and situations surrounding us are not necessary for peace and for thriving. The Lord God is our salvation and our strength. I want you to turn to a little known prophet, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm going to take this entire message from Simeon and Anna and Luke, and I want to put it in context of the whole Bible. I've tried to do that all morning, but I want to put it in context of 2021 for those of us seated here today. Now watch how the Bible connects dots. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olives fail, and the, and the fields yield no flock. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. All right, now I want y'all to clue in here. You're not agrarian people. But, but when the fields won't produce, you starve. This is not my garden won't grow, I need to go to the grocery store and get some food. This is starvation. This is great difficulty. This is a dire moment. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is my prayer for you as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, and a man of God's word. I fear a lot of people have lost their hope. And I wonder if some ever had it at all. We're not even where Habakkuk describes, but we are in a moment of difficulty. And here's what would be true of God's people. We should rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because Habakkuk's going to answer it right here. Here's why you rejoice in the Lord when there's nothing in the fields. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Dangerous places. Why is the deer going up in the high places? Why? To eat. That God is going to so protect. He's going he's to so strengthen his people. He's going to provide. This is the God of our salvation. And brothers and sisters, my prayer for you this week, right now, is that the joy that overwhelms Simeon and Anna would overwhelm you. That in a, in a world to where the ominous tone is on us all the time. Death, death, death. That we would be able to say, your servant is ready to depart in peace. Why? Because my eyes have seen salvation. Charles Wesley wrote, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set your people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart.
brothers and sisters, for all who are in Christ and trusting him, you still have a longing heart. You ought to be like Simeon and Anna, looking. One day, you're going to turn around, and there he is, coming in all of his glory, and the wait will be over. And the fullness of our joy will be realized forever and ever. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Lord, in a moment, we're going to sing these words. All my hope is in your hands. I plead for men and women, for young people who are in this room who can't say that. I've sought faithfully to proclaim who you are today. And Lord, I pray that people would look to you, the one who lived a perfect life, the son of God who died on the cross in our place, taking our punishment, who was buried and three days later rose again, who has conquered sin in the grave. You alone are the source of salvation. And I pray that there would be repentance all throughout this room, a turning from sin, a looking to Christ, and that we would place our hope in your hands, for you alone can save. Lord, I pray that you would move among your people. Holy Spirit, overjoy your children now. May we sing the song of grace. For you have given us what we could never have earned and we certainly do not deserve. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.